0: Good morning, everyone. And I want to say welcome to those of you who are joining us in our traditional sanctuary right now. Hello again. I saw you just a few minutes ago. And welcome to those of you who are joining us by video online. Hey, we're in the middle of a series kind of coming toward the end of our summer series called Ancestry.Church. We've been learning something about our family history, our family story from our most ancient stories, so our family's relationship with God from biblical times. And here today to help us learn that is one of the newest members of our church family. This is Pastor Gary Schultz. And Gary is a retired Lutheran pastor. He and his wife, Debbie, have been part of our church for about a year and a half, maybe now, year, year and a half. Uh, When he was retiring from serving a church in Cannon Falls, Minnesota, right after that, they started driving up here from Cannon Falls for worship every Sunday, right? So how are your excuses for Sunday? Mine are not so good. Uh, So anyway, um, welcome to Gary, and I want to take a moment and pray for him, and looking forward to hearing what you will share with us this morning. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Gary. Thanks for his friendship, his part in this family. Thanks for Gary and Debbie and the roles they've already played that have been so valuable in our church family. We're grateful for them. And I pray for your blessing on this time, for the work of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your work already in Gary's heart and mind and preparation for this time. And now in this time, I pray that you would work in all of us, that you would work in our hearts and teach us by your word, that we would learn to love and trust you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Good morning. morning. Grace to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As Pastor Steve was mentioning, I uh, was finishing my ministry for 13 years in Cannon Falls, uh, just southeast of uh, here. And uh, before that, I served in Hector, Minnesota for almost 20 years. And uh, that's where I raised my children. And uh, before that, I was in Murdoch, Minnesota. So, so it was 40 years uh, in three different congregations that uh, God blessed me with. And, and I blessed, was blessed with a wonderful wife that uh, was with me through all those years. Uh, Debbie is sitting in the front pew over here. And together, we had three children, and now we have nine grandchildren. So that's keeping us busy in our retirement years. Uh, It's been a joy, though, in the adjustment, and I'm uh, just a joy to be here at Community of Grace. I want to invite you to open your Bibles as we read those scriptures today. If uh, you didn't bring your Bible, you can use your Bible app uh, on your phone if you'd like. Otherwise, the ushers will come forward and uh, offer you a Bible, and if you want to just raise your hand, they'll give you one for the time during the service today. Well over the years of my ministry from time to time I'd have people come into my office and ask for counseling and uh, from sometimes there would be it would be a young lady that would come in and ask me a question as she was anticipating marriage and she would ask me the question how do you know if it's true love or not and that's a pretty important question at that time in your life isn't it it's a question that, uh, that all of us need to know and, and how to decide whether it's true love or not. Well, the good news is that the Lord never leaves us alone in decisions like that. He comes near to us in times like that when we come near to Him. And He helps us make that decision. And that was my counseling to young ladies like that, to come near to Jesus and he will come near to you. As I was uh, browsing through the internet one time, I came upon a, an article in the internet that, that said, here is the definition of true love. And this is what it said. If you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it was and always will be yours. If it never returns, it was never yours to begin with. If it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, uses your telephone, takes your money, and never behaves as if you ever let it go in the first place, you either married it or you gave birth to it. LAUGHTER there's some truth to that, isn't there? But, but I think the better place to look for the answer of what is true love is maybe to the Bible. And the Bible says in Psalm 103, 11, verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. Out of that love, Jesus was sent by the Father into the world to die for our sins so that we could be cleansed and washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's sacrificial love. And that's true love. I like all the songs in The Fiddler on the Roof, but I really like the one of Tevye and Golda singing, Do You Love Me? And we're gonna listen to that clip right now, and it might be a little out of sync, but bear with us. You was on our wedding day.
0: I was scared.
1: Are you sure? We all need to hear that, don't we? We all need to hear that we are loved. And we need to tell others that we are loved. We need to hear from God that we are loved, and we need to tell God that we love him. In John 21, verses 15 to 17, St. Peter had a personal encounter with Jesus, and Jesus asked Peter three times, Do you love me? I'm going to read from John 21, starting with verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus asked Simon, son of John, do you really love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him, do you love me? A third time. And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus wants to hear those words from us, doesn't he? I love you. We believe in him. We obey him, but do we love him? It was the summer of 1971 and I wasn't baling hay in the summer like I usually was. I usually spent time on the farm helping my dad baling hay and doing chores and all the field work that needs to be done during the summer months in between college years. But in 1971, I wasn't on the farm. I was instead at Northwestern Seminary learning Greek. And believe me, it was a little bit more difficult than what Dan was teaching us this morning in the first first hymn. It was a little more than a la- hallelujah. I had just graduated from college and I had decided to give the ministry a a chance. I was going to explore that possibility and And the only one thing was that there was a requirement before I could start school in the fall and take my classes, I had to learn Greek in advance. It was a six-week crash course that I took in the summer of 71. I was staying in Stube Hall at Luther Seminary campus on Como Avenue. And it was one o'clock in the morning when I was just finishing up my study for the Greek class the next day memorizing the alphabet and and all that goes into learning greek and i was tired but i wasn't falling asleep i was contemplating and and concerned about if god was really calling me into the ministry and so i started praying and i prayed fervently it wasn't just my nighttime prayers i was praying fervently and looking to God expecting him to to answer me in some way that I was really supposed to be in going into the ministry and as i was praying all of a sudden i sensed the presence of the lord in the room and i heard the words pray for others that's all i heard i knew it wasn't from me because i was praying for me i wasn't praying for others I was waiting for a word from the Lord. And I didn't take that to begin with as an answer from the Lord. But I felt this need to get on my knees and start praying. And I prayed for everyone I could think of. I started with my family and I prayed for my extended family and my my friends and prayed for all those in Greek class with me and my professor. And I was praying for those that were fighting in the Vietnam War because that was hot and heavy back in 1971. And And I was praying for leaders, and I just prayed for everybody that the Lord gave me to pray for. And finally I fell asleep, and the next morning I woke up and I felt peace that passes human understanding. And I knew that I had had an encounter with Jesus, with the Lord. He had come to me, and he spoke to me. And a verse that jumped out at me at that time was James 4, verse 8, where it says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. And that's what I had experienced. I had come near to God, and he came near to me. If you look at the context in which James gives us that encouragement, we see that James is telling us to empty ourselves, submit ourselves to the Lord completely, with all our heart and soul and mind. And then he says, don't depend on yourself. Don't depend on yourself. Depend on me. That doesn't sound like a world, a very good thing from a worldly perspective because it's, it looks like weakness if you have to depend on somebody else. But that's what God wants us to do is to depend upon him and then resist the devil, it says. Right next to that passage. And this is spiritual warfare that James is talking about here. The best thing to do when we're in spiritual warfare is to come near to God and he will come near to you. We're no match for Satan, but Jesus is. So when we come near to him, he gives us the victory that he won for us on the cross. The lesson today is about Jacob and Esau. We, we talked, we've talked about Jacob and Esau for the last number of Sundays, but today we see a change in Jacob's heart. And we'll get to that. But if you want to please turn in your Bible to Genesis 25, verse 21 and following, page 36 in your Quest Study Bible. Isaac and Rebekah wanted to have children. And Isaac and Rebekah hadn't had any children. It had been some time, and they still didn't have children. Read with me in Genesis twenty-five, twenty-one. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. The Lord answered his prayer and his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. The baby, babies jostled each other within her and she said, Why is this happening to me? So she went, to inquire of the Lord. You notice what she did? She went to inquire of the Lord. Rebekah knew what to do. And as she did, the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. There we hear that Isaac drew near to the Lord, and he called out to the Lord, and Rebekah had children. And the Lord heard the situation that they were in. And then we hear that Rebekah came to the Lord in trepidation, wondering if she was even going to be able to have these children. Wondering if it might be a miscarriage. But she drew close to the Lord, and the Lord assured her that there were two peoples in her womb, or in other words, two nations in her womb. Rebekah came near to the Lord, and he came near to her. Now turn in your Bible to Genesis 32, 1, and follow along so that we can see Jacob returning home to his mother, father, and brother. That's on page 48 in your Quest Study Bible. Jacob had fled from his home where he grew up in Canaan because Jacob had stolen Esau's birthright and he had stolen his blessing, which was rightfully belonging to Esau because he was the oldest. He wasn't older by much, but Esau was the first one delivered. So Esau had a grudge against Jacob and he even told him he wanted to kill Jacob. So Jacob fled to Padan Aram in Mesopotamia. And 20 years later, after he'd lived there for 20 years, he had accumulated much wealth. He had two wives, children, servants, sheep, camels. He was a company of people. And now the Lord had told him to return home. Follow along with me, starting with Genesis 32, verse 1, where Jacob is leaving Laban for home. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. Mahanamim means dual or double camp. There was a multitude of angels at this camp that, uh, were, where Jacob was. Think of what a, and, a, and a, how much that was comforting to Jacob as he was making this decision to head for home after he had lived here for 20 years. And now move down to verse 22 where Jacob was about to meet Esau as Jacob was almost home. Reading from verse 22. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons, he had 11 sons already, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And the man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. We've got a story in the New Testament quite similar to that. You remember how Saul was going to Damascus to persecute Christians, and, and when he, on his way to Damascus, he met Jesus, and there was a change of heart, and he changed his name as well. And so there was a change in Jacob's heart. Jacob was now a new person, and God had given him the name of Israel. Think of what it must have been going through Jacob's mind. His brother Esau was coming to meet him with 400 horsemen. He had, Jacob had sent a, uh, a servant out ahead of him to find out where Esau was and what he was doing, and he came back with the report that Esau was coming to meet Jacob with 400 horsemen. Immediately, Jacob figured he's coming to kill me and all my family and destroy all my possessions. And and he had to have felt that life is almost over for me. And yet he had the word of the Lord in his heart, knowing that God had told him it was time to go home to his home where he grew up with Isaac and Rebekah. And surprise, surprise, it turns out that Esau came with his 400 men, but he was welcoming Jacob home. He was rejoicing to see Jacob coming with all of his family and his, and his servants and all of his possessions. Esau was friendly and welcoming. Jacob must have jumped for joy. His life was saved. Jacob had several encounters with the Lord. How many encounters with the Lord have you had? I'm guessing that you've had lots of encounters with the Lord at different times in your life, times when you have had to make difficult choices along the way maybe times when you had to grieve the loss of a loved one or or maybe when you met up with illness or you had lost a job there's times when we have drawn closer to the Lord and he has come close to us in Luke 8 we have the story of a woman who came close enough to Jesus to touch the edge of his cloak. She had been ill for 12 years. As soon as she touched the edge of Jesus' cloak, she was healed. She knew she was healed. She came near to Jesus. And Jesus noticed when power had gone out from him, so he asked his disciples, who touched me? And the disciples told Jesus, well, everybody's touching you. We're walking along this road and a crowd is, edging in on you, and and there's so many people touching you. How can you ask that question? But Jesus knew that power had gone out from him. Power that came from faith. And he told her then, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I invite you to come near to Jesus today, He waits daily for us to turn our hearts toward him. The lyrics to a song come to mind. Time after time, I have waited for you. And now, I am waiting again. Why don't you let me come in? I came near to Jesus in making an occupational decision many years ago. And the Lord came near to me. Isaac and Rebekah came near to the Lord when they couldn't have children and the Lord came near to them. Jacob came near to the Lord when he thought he was going to get wiped off the face of the earth by his brother Esau. And the Lord came near to him. The woman that was ill for 12 years came near to Jesus. And the Lord came near to her. There are times in our life and really every day we need to draw near to the Lord. The Lord will come near to us. He'll come with open arms welcoming you, delivering you and healing you whatever situation you are in. And when you come near to him, He wants to hear you say, I love you. Let us pray. Loving Father, we thank you for your love for us. Help us to draw near to you every day and in every situation. And Lord, come near to us and let us know your presence that you're walking through our troubles with us, that you're taking us by your hand, showing us the way one day at a time. Lord, we know that there are many challenges in this life and difficulties that come our way. It's not a perfect path you've given us to walk. But Lord, we pray that we take the time every day to draw near to you And we'll praise you and thank you for coming near to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.